This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by ComicBookClick.com. That's it, people. ComicBookClick.com is the one stop for all things Comic Book Click, our merchandise, our articles, and every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast. Visit ComicBookClick.com and remember, you, yes, you are worthy. everybody out there in comic book land my name is George Serrano aka the Don and if you're listening to this you can only be here for one reason it's a brand new episode of the major issues podcast brought to you by comicbookclick.com and as always I am never alone sir please introduce yourself I am your secret golden city Gregory Thomas aka GT Rebirth GT Rebirth is here and he is a bit secretive we're marching on to our (laughs) road to episode 150 and we figured this one should be a special one Um, we're going to talk some Wakandan stuff we're going to talk a bit Killmonger but this all stems from not only all of the social political stuff going on this year but from an announcement that was made last week which is that Michael B. Jordan is set to produce a static shock movie uh, an adaptation from the comic books. Milestone was just at DC Fandom talking about the uh, resurrection of the brand, bringing um, Icon and Rocket and Static back into the forefront. And now Michael B. Jordan seems to be set to produce this film. Do you, what do you feel? How do you feel about this, I guess, in general? And do you think these were the talks that Michael B. was happening, was having with DC? Remember when everyone was like, he's heading over there to talk about Superman? I I do remember that, and everybody was there. There were a lot of very um, uh, ill-tensed stares towards that one. Yes, yes, there was, there was. Um, and this is this is really interesting for me, I guess, because yeah, the DC and and Milestone and and Mrs. McDuffie had been in the toils for so long with this lawsuit that right. Just in the twilight of it getting settled and everything getting um done and Mrs. McDuffie, I assume, walking away, you know, satisfied with what had gone down, all of a sudden, like, we've got a movie, we've got a producer. Like, how long has this been in you know in yeah, the churning I bubble? Guess they were just waiting for her, right? They were just <laughs> waiting for her to give the thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um it I mean the the property itself is incredibly um popular. The series when it was on, you know, had a lot of fans and introduced a lot of people to those milestone characters. Um but what I find is a bit poetic is that uh Michael B Jordan was quoted on saying, "I'm proud to be part of a of building a new universe centered around black superheroes. Our community deserves that." Um he's doing this with his uh Warner Brothers based outlier society banner sounds pretty cool (laughs) but um the idea that he would want to uh introduce the next crop of black superheroes to the mainstream audience i think is incredibly poetic given uh the humongous loss we just suffered this year with um the loss of chadwick boseman 
who mm-hmm. obviously brought back, I mean, obviously brought T'Challa, the Black Panther, to life in Black Panther. And he starred in that film opposite of Jordan. So now we have almost somebody continuing a legacy in a different way when it comes to, um, like I said, these black heroes. And when Black Panther came out initially, it blew everybody's minds. There was arguments have happening about whether or not it deserved the amount of attention and praise that it got, but uh, it definitely got it. It definitely. I, I mean, we 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 accuse the Academy of creating an award to placate it. Oh yeah, that blockbuster award or something like that, right? Yeah, something ridiculous like that. <laughs> um, and everyone spoke about how how empowering the film was, but. One of the spotlights on the film was the character of Eric Killmonger um, and his, I guess, his pathos, his journey, his mindset leading up to the events of the film. Luckily, there is a five issue series called Black Panther Killmonger by any means by Brian Edward Hill with art by Juan E. Ferreira that we're going to get into, which is Killmonger's pre Wakanda days. Um, but the actual character first appeared, Eric Killmonger, in the Panther Rage storyline, initially in Jungle Action, Volume 2, Issues 6 to 8. Um, I think now they've changed it to, like, Black Panther or something. But, like, Panther, I mean, um, Jungle Action, reading the, this issue, first of all, looking up the comic, Jungle Action, <laughs> it was ridiculous. The, the term <laughs> Jungle the other- Action just invokes the weirdest kind of imagery. <laughs> <laughs> right, a hundred percent. It sounds like some sea level porno or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's, but, that's bizarre. Yeah, um, it, it it was just very weird because it wasn't just the Black Panther story. At the end of the this story in particular, the one where Killmonger first appears, there's just another random story about a woman who lives in the jungle. So <laughs> this was <laughs> like. This was just like a superfluous story at the time, um, right. but ends up becoming such a big person because uh, ends up becoming such a big character because of the Black Panther film. Um, the character was created in uh, September of 1973. So what's that? Seven, carry the one, 50, 47 years. Damn. Mm-hmm. That's old. Uh, Killmonger's getting midlife crisis. And <laughs> so he, he was created uh, by writer Don McGregor and penciler Rich Buckler. And in the comics, he's a native of Wakanda, born in Wakanda under mm. the name of uh, Njadaka. Uh, I'm probably going to mess that up a lot when we talk about it today. Um, it and takes then, some getting well, used to. It does. Uh, when Ulysses Claw and his mercenaries attacked Wakanda, which is a very popular um, storyline in Black Panther. This is actually how King T'Chaka dies because yes. Kil- um, Ulysses is able to uh, get into Wakanda when no man was able to. And uh, that's how T'Chaka dies. T'Challa becomes king, etc. cetera. Um, so- uh, for, for, for curiosity's sake, is, it, is there like an idea that, because of Claw's powers, he's kind of a natural energy, natural enemy to them and their vibranium with all like the sound waves and stuff like that. I don't know about that, but I I heard about a um a comic where they put a team together, uh uh, and one of the members was um Carnage, and so mm. Claw was placed on that team to be like the uh safety. 
for Carnage. In case Carnage gets out of hand. <laughs> right. A hundred percent. Yeah, he has the sound uh the sound abilities to to deal with that. Right. And so the the idea is that um Ulysses Claw gets close to Wakanda, um, is able to with his men and his mercenaries pressure um uh Enjitaka's father Njobu into helping them. And then when Claw ends up getting defeated, uh, his father dies and his family ends up being exiled. And so Njadaka ends up in Harlem, New York, nursing a hatred against all, the, I mean, the supervillain Claw and T'Chaka, the king who exiled him. And mm-hmm. he changes his name to Eric Killmonger, studies at MIT, and uh, desperate to avenge his father's death. He eventually contacts T'Challa. Um, and is brought back into Wakanda. Like he tells him, Hey, listen, I'm one of the lost ones and stuff. And so he ends up getting come back in. Um, and he just like, he became like this militant, uh, subversive person with dreams of ridding Wakanda of what he called white colonist culture. Mm-hmm. He wanted to bring them all back to the beginning. Um, he, Ended up staging a coup at one point. We know about his fight on Warrior Falls for the mantle. Um, he becomes a big person in Black Panther's life, uh, you know, representing the opposite side of that. But I don't think he gains the levels of depth that we know him for until we see him in the Black Panther film. Um, what do you think of Killmonger when you were introduced to him in the Black Panther mythos with the film and the portrayal by Michael B. Jordan? Uh, I mean, uh, if we're talking about performance, like Michael B. Jordan did a great job. I and I've always said that, like, even when he is being uh, uh jovial on screen, Michael B. Jordan has this natural, intense anger to him. Yeah, there, there is yeah. something like kind of intimidatingly dangerous about that man at, at any time. Got right. It, it, God help us! They put boxing gloves on him once. Um, yeah, this is true. Uh, uh, as, as as far as the character goes, as in what they did with the story, it like it, it spoke to me in a lot of ways. Um, as a black man, I think there is a lot of interesting things that get discussed when it comes to the idea of Killmonger's upbringing and the resentment of the separation between his heritage and him right you know because like there, there there is no real connection there he just knows the stories he was told right and that almost connects to um african-americans living here in america right like yeah. you can you can look at africa's history and see it um as almost this imaginary place where black people can go and be uh celebrated <laughs> yeah. and be and be free and and do what they want with without much impunity um and but there's still no connection to that there like no i'm puerto rican um so if push if push comes to shove and everything went crazy the idea i guess would be that we would just go back to puerto rico yeah <laughs> you know i have grandparents who were born in there i have family members there i can trace my lineage right to certain towns, certain places, etc. But and, and even the, then, with all your time in America, you have lived with some sense of the culture within your life, a hundred percent. And so you take a, a, a people like that, like they did with the African slave trade, and you disperse them 
all over the world. You rip them of their culture, you rip them of education. Um, and then even when things start moving towards equality, you know, it's it's still not an even playing field. There's still no grassroots of the especially with the inability to just cop to the BS that was slavery, right? Like right. <laughs> so many countries just won't cop to it. And therefore that you can't the healing hasn't begun with so many people. And so you have um but I, I remember this, like, I, I remember growing up and having black friends that be like, but I, I don't feel African, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have no connection, no love, no, uh, nothing pulling me to Africa, but everyone keeps calling me an African American. Right. So like, what, what are you supposed to be proud of? What are you supposed to be proud in? And then now, even now, fast forward to 2020, where people are wondering why people are allowed to say things like black power. Yeah. You know, so you have no culture because they stripped it from you. So you create culture and then people wonder why that culture is so separate from the rest of it. <laughs> like if that was the purpose, on you know, that was uh, legitimate. But there's also a social like wall up now, because if you were to actually see like actual Africans, they look at us differently. A hundred percent. That that That's true. And that's true across the board. There's I lived in texas for a while mm -hmm. uh so i lived amongst the texas mexicans and they look different to the california mexicans who look different to the mexican mexicans like yeah. i've been in conversations where they've spoken of, of them different um and it that's just like the way that it goes and so you have this it, it would have been bad enough on its own yeah just killmonger being an african-american but the idea that he legitimately has ties and 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 a and um what is it? Uh, a right to, um, you know, a life in Wakanda that makes it so so tragic and so heartbreaking because, um, is it not not just the battle life but also the royal bloodline? Yes, right, hundred percent. And so the in the film itself, there's a bunch of there's a little changes like his he, his name is Eric Stevens instead of Eric Killmonger. Killmonger is a nickname. Yes, uh, from his military career, but he is still uh injured. Daka, yes, that's still his name. Um, rather than being a Wakandan exile, he's rewritten to be the son of Prince Jobu, which therefore, well, Jobu and an American woman from California, <laughs> uh, uh, which makes him uh, Marvel, Marvel loves to just be like, this is not a name, right? Let's, right. Let's, let's 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 give a reason for it to be there, but this makes no sense. Right, and they just keep putting consonants before another name and, and acting like it's exotic. <laughs> so that's another thing that's happening. Um, unlike the comics, his chest is covered with self-inflicted scarification dots, each one for one of his confirmed kills. Um, he seeks revenge for his father's death, and he's angry at Wakanda's refusal to assist disenfranchised Black people around the globe. So that's one of the things I think people latched onto, this idea that, like, well, this Wakanda is such a great African nature a nation that got it that way kind of by turning a blind eye to the atrocities committed across to Africans across the globe. Um, did you agree with that? How do you, where do you sit on that whole thing? And we'll reach it again in the comic where he's asking Bass, like, where were you during all this? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, the I mean, I, I agree with the idea of the, like, you know where where were you and and, and in, in real life there's always this uh this sort of seething resentment to the like they they didn't come back for us sort of thing right um which i think will i think probably speaks to a much 
a deeper problem that'll never get fully uh exposed or discussed but i i i believe his his anger toward that is valid knowing what what it was like being a uh black man and what what was he, he was in la in the movie yeah in oakland yeah being a black man in oakland in those times good lord <laughs> right rodney king riots all that stuff yeah you know there's only so many like you know there's only so much a nice raiders jacket can do for that disposition 100 <laughs> percent. and um you know it it's a weird discussion to have like you said it's not cut and dry it's not black and white because to say that wakanda uh, there should be some blame put on Wakanda for the atrocities committed across the world is to say that the strongest nations should then um, do their responsibility, right? Yeah. Like if you are a strong, healthy nation, then it should be your responsibility to help other nations. And people get a little bit crazy when it comes to that kind of stuff and that kind of manifest destiny of, well, you know, it seems as we are the strongest, we should be able to uh, instill our will upon other people because this is what the betterment of society needs and, and now you're the world police 100 yeah 100 it got it i uh they they do it so well it, um black panther the film is written so well that when this uh topic comes up t'challa says you know correctly i'm not king of the world i'm yeah. only king of wakanda like I get what I get what happened across the world is ridiculous, but I'm kind of just in charge of here. But that's also turning a blind eye, right? Yes, that's that's also um, ignoring the the facts and the and the figures, the, the atrocities that are happening there. Um, the, and the, everything. The, the sad thing right, right. is the sad thing is that like uh, <clears throat> Killmonger is basically has a full, valid. Uh, a valid resentment and a valid hatred for this thing that can that nothing can be done about anymore. Right. So it's like you can ask all the questions about like why they didn't come back or why they, they, nobody helped, but in the end, like you're searching for a solution that doesn't exist. And even even if you were given the answers that you say you want, you would never be happy with them. Yeah, it's never going to be enough. There's no answer good enough for abandoning an entire people. And, you know, very similarly, we just covered the boys as, as the previous episode. And not to get too spoilery in case you're listening to this and haven't seen that. But uh, there's a character on there who um, initially seems to make some good points uh, and seems to be a bit charismatic and a bit um, uh, like uh, anti-establishment. But when you let her talk for too long, she starts to say some kind of crazy things. And yeah. I think the same thing happens to Killmonger when he starts talking about killing the children of the oppressors. Yeah. Um, it, you, you, I, I, I would assume to the good law-abiding people in the theaters, that was a red flag moment. Oh, yeah. I would hope, you know, I would hope. I'm not saying there's some people that even after that are still completely down with them. Um. So, you know, he goes to um, Wakanda, he challenges T'Challa for the throne, he beats him in this in the film, uh, and then once he gets into that position of power, he starts to try to send high-tech weapons to Black people around the world, hoping that they would get these weapons and overthrow their government. Um, and that's when he talks about killing, you know, the children of colonizers and all this other kind of stuff, and it really ramps up this revenge fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh 
uh, of his and of some black Americans of ripping the power back from those who ripped it from them in the first place. Yes. And, and that evenness, that eye for an eye um, on paper is um, something that most can agree with, right? It's like, you know, like, well, you know, everyone um, was able to, uh, was it, um, everyone was able to eat from the the fruit that you grew. So now you all have to pay the price for the thing that you did. I mean, it's it's a very it's a very uh, seductive and fair seeming you know uh, ideal. Yes, but even when he was put clearly as the villain, why do you think so many ended up siding with Killmonger? Is it is it that line at the end about choosing to die rather than be imprisoned? No, I I, I think a lot of people uh, resonated with that line because there were a lot of people that made some really hard choices on those ships and probably to some degree were better for it right but i think a lot of people resonated with the anger yeah and for a lot of people like for a lot of people that's 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 the emotion that is is driving them if if you feel that sort of way about like the subject you are probably being driven by that same um, anger and, and righteous anger is a son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you feel that you're justified in, in being angry, you know, it, 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 that fire can burn for quite some time. Yeah. And Killmonger talks about, you know, um, you know, bury me or, you know, throw me in the ocean like the ones that jump from slave ships, um, showing the residual impact of that in the entire slave trade and stuff. Something that people today, you've seen the, the political arguments happening all up and down the world is that it's like, Oh, well that happened such a long time ago. You were never personally a slave. So why would you, you know, what, what, what is everyone complaining about? And it's this idea that that general, that, that happening there, the ripple effects we're still feeling to this day. And uh, somebody like Killmonger would still be feeling in Oakland, (laughs) you know, when he was born and stuff like that. Um, it's 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 funny. Uh, and I don't want to drive that the conversation in too much, but it's funny when you have those folks who are like, "Ah, oh, you know, it's a long time ago. You know, why are you still talking about it? Oh, wait, don't take these statues down. Right, that's history. A hundred percent. Nine eleven. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, celebrating Columbus Day still, which is a pretty much a big lie, you know. Um, and someone and had I, someone I saw on Twitter had a great little like comment about it because you know the the I, the the clapback for them is always just like, well, you can't just you know like erase history away, but and, and whatnot. And someone said, "Do you think? Do you think uh, Germany just has statues of gobble, gobbles around to remind themselves of what they did? Right. <laughs> or do somebody they else had said something else about like for them. <laughs> somebody else mentioned like, um, there's no Holocaust museums, in, to my knowledge, in Germany. Right. Um, but there's Holocaust museums in America. But America won't own up to the things that they did. Right. There's no there's no Native American museum. You know, there's no slavery museum, etc. Uh, but they're quick to be like, well, it was a terrible thing they did to those people of a different clan, you know, uh, back right. in those days. And it's like, well, I mean, <laughs> a lot of you guys have, have done that stuff. By the way, here's a nice model of Jefferson's home. 
<laughs> so I was looking, I was trying to look around to see the effect, like an actual person's account of the effects that watching Black Panther and almost agreeing with Killmonger would have. And through that, I was able to find in a blog by uh, Dr. Uh, I'm saying, I hope I say this right. Adrian. Uh, Johnson Williams, a female, um, she who got her start in Memphis City Schools and is dedicated to improving the lives of children and families. Um, she's generally committed to fighting structural inequality, regardless of who it impacts um, in her hometown of Memphis, Tennessee. So she wrote this about watching Black Panther and seeing Killmonger. She put, when Killmonger describes how things would have been different if Black people around the world had better weapons for their uprisings, the audience rumbled with agreement. Every time I was among them, yet I also saw Killmonger as the villain. I knew he was right to be rageful. I also knew he was wrong to seek justice via killing everyone he saw as the oppressor and their children. I had found the limits of revenge fantasy, and I had seen the roots of terrorism. People are more vulnerable to be terrorist recruitment and rad radicalization when they feel angry, alienated, or disenfranchised, when they believe that their current political involvement doesn't give them the power to affect real change, when they identify with perceived victims of social injustice they are fighting, when they feel the need to take action rather than just talk about their problems, when they believe that engaging in violence against the state is not immoral. Which I think is a big one, right? Like mm -hmm. once you've justified it, it's it, it's a wrap, <laughs> kind of sort of. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like it, uh, it 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 calls to question um the social contract that people have been talking about recently, right? Mm -hmm. This idea that the government has uh, with has agreed to a certain invisible uh you know standards of decency of transparency of honesty and justice and that we agree to those uh things and we agree to be um well law-abiding and well-mannered citizens mm -hmm. and those who have felt that the government has broken that contract by shooting unarmed black people by um not choosing to own up to the things of the past then the contract null and void we don't have to behave anymore we don't have to uh just kowtow and uh walk in line anymore and it's crazy that how, how quickly things can turn that way right once you it's like it's like a light switch that that goes on it's like wait a minute we're not being treated well here how long are we supposed to just smile and deal with it <laughs> as opposed to like what's saying here believing that you the only way to affect real change is by doing something violent almost mm -hmm. which is all killmonger right oh yeah Kill killmonger is basically just you know uh a kind of see a scorched earth burn it down and build something on top of its bones right you know uh um, she she ends by saying, um, I don't know about everyone else, but I know that my overall reaction to Killmonger shook me. I was horrified to see the potential of my anger, no matter its justification. And I think that's the main idea of Killmonger in general, it, the levels of justification that he's able to have for his anger. Uh, what do you think of that that take there? Ugh, it's, it's tough because, like, I... I, I sit with her in the idea that 
I understand anger and revenge, but I also understand like the the personal social limits of that feeling. Right. You know, there's a reason and and you'll understand this. There's like there's a reason that, you know, like there's sort of a a social edict or an unwritten edict in in war that like you don't go after the civilians. We are fighting other soldiers. That is it. Right. Yeah. You leave yeah. the towns alone, right? Uh, but then, but then, if that were to be eradicated, if if an army were to show a certain level of brutality, you would think uh, it, it's so quick that vengeance is on the tip of our tongues, right? Yes. Like it's that happened so quickly. Um, I remember, I'm yeah, I'm I'm somebody who went overseas to Iraq. I remember when the Twin Towers happening, people wanted us to be deployed to anywhere they didn't even really know where the, the threat came from oh yeah but they wanted people deployed somewhere killing something in we, revenge we were all singing the toby keith songs and all that jazz <laughs> yeah yeah i'm yeah. pretty sure that song played on a lot of humvee radios what do you think about vengeance as fuel what do you think about this revenge fantasy for the african-american do, do you think that there's any um anything there there or is it all just mixed up emotions um, do you mean like anything valid? Yeah. Like this continued idea that, that the, those who committed those atrocities and their ancestors, or I guess not their ancestors, what's the opposite of that? And their, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are, are their inherently, successors. yes. And their successors are inherently still guilty for the acts committed. Uh, years ago, and there should be some sort of, of revenge taken on them in the same way that they were cold and callous towards um, African Americans. That there should be some sort of evening of that playing field, because there's a, there's the idea of we talk about this all the time with social, I mean, um, civil rights and all that kind of stuff. The idea between or the difference between um, getting uh, being equal and getting revenge, and I think right. revenge is something that a lot of people in this country fear. <laughs> I don't say that as if I'm planning any, but uh, you know, we we you've heard the talks. That just literally these Black Lives Matter protests have been taken as some sort of, you know, uh, terrorist group organization without anything actually happening. Right, hundred percent. So it's like, w- is this viable? Having that mindset. Um, I don't. I don't, I, I certainly don't think there's like. I don't think there's ever an even playing field. I think you have to take the bet on life and society evolving with each passing generation. Yeah. And it's not to say it can't happen because we've evolved a lot, a lot from where we were. Yeah, we surely have. Um, so people like, uh, generations will change and people will change. And, you mostly have to affect those particular areas where it is almost a uh, a, a monolithic culture, and if you yeah. can get into those, then it spreads. Like you don't have you don't need to preach the gospel in New York City. Like we're all, we're everyone here, <laughs> right? You know yeah. what I mean. You need to get that sort of stuff like down south and into like you know the upper uh, the upper crusts of the nation, but. For the most part, they're like those people have nothing to do with us. 
All right, those yeah. people have nothing to do with them in the past either. The most you can do is educate them to be better. And that road is long. Um, I think people are expecting a like one for one swap kind of deal. Sure. <laughs> uh, the the road is long. The road to tolerance is long. The road to equality is is long. And sometimes I feel like people like Killmonger uh, trivialize the small steps that have been taken. Yes. To to get closer to you know an even playing field, um, because they haven't got like there's one side. I'm not even saying I know which side is the right side, but there's one side that looks at the past as an example of what humanity could be. And that's their argument for not waiting for change. And there's another side that looks at the present and the future of what humanity could be and says, have the patience that that's going to, um, things are going to change. And I guess the only difference between those two groups is faith, right? For the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah, faith in in the, I guess the the lack of um, <laughs> uh, how do I put this? The lack of hurt in you to believe in it, right? Um, because it has to come, it it has to come from an open minded place. And the problem with the problem with the idea, I think that Killmonger presents is that. You know, or rather, I guess the problem with what people are thinking now, which is to take action against the people who have hurt us and wait yeah. for the future generations to get it right, is the idea that you you do end up creating your own monsters that way. Yeah. Uh, in the film itself, he says you've become the, you know, the oppressors. Yeah. You, you, you try to eradicate them and now you've become one. Um, I, I, I had an interesting th- uh, thought in my head while we're having this c- discussion. And what I think is interesting is I started to compare Killmonger's place to Zod's in Man of Steel. Ah, I have I an interesting s- comparison as well, but I want to hear this, this Zod. I, I say oh. this because they essentially want the same thing. They're willing to destroy something to build something they want. Yeah, but it's interesting that for for Killmonger, it's a crime of passion. For Zod, it's pragmatism. Yeah, almost duty. Yeah, like it needs to be done, so he will do it. And there's no emotion ways, behind what he's doing. He just feels right. This is this is the thing to do. In both ways, also they're like what they're fighting for is like a fictionalized version. It's not like you understand, like. They, Zod doesn't know what would happen if you re-raised uh, uh, a Krypton back. Right. Like everything's not just going to go back to the, to normal. That's not how society, civilizations, or any of that stuff works. Um, but in his mind, it's not about what's going to happen after the fact. It's about just getting there. Yeah. And the same thing with Michael B. Jordan. Like he just starts making things up when he's king. But I'm pretty sure his revenge fantasies didn't have him doing things as king. It literally just led up to him being king. Yeah. You know, uh, um, I the- think that also happens. In, uh, I think that also happens in the book too, where it's it's very much because at least Zod, like Zod, experienced um, Krypton, right? Yeah. Um, for Killmonger in the comic book, as you said, he is he's going in there with this idealized version of Wakanda, and when he finds a Wakanda that's different than what he heard about, he's just like, "This ain't it." I'm right. Go back. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you drew a comparison to Zod. I'm going to stay in the Marvel, uh, you know, oh, echelon. If, which is now getting me kind of mad because I'm starting to realize that <laughs> there's somebody with almost a very similar story to him that doesn't get villainized as much. Okay. Which is Mag- Magneto. Sure. Right? Like Magneto, and this is, I say this, I make this comparison to, uh, to comment on what we were talking about earlier, which is this idea of, of, of the tolerance and the faith, right? Of mm-hmm. uh, saying that humanity has the ability to do this, so we should wait and stuff. That mentality is very rarely taken by those who have actually felt the pain of conquest or, or you know, racism Absolutely. or sexism or all that stuff. It's real easy to say if you've never experienced it. Try telling Magneto that, oh, no, humanity would just work itself out if things will eventually get to a point. He'll show you the numbers on his arm that prove that that's not the case. And he's actively choosing to make uh, mutants, homo superior as they're called, the top of the food chain there's mm-hmm. no if ands or buts about it you know he makes it very clear but when people look at him they say well he's just doing you know he's just getting his righteous revenge yeah so how is that so clear-cut but killmonger is not i guess <laughs> i guess i don't i don't I'm know asking. because i yeah i've always i've always mentioned that like magneto is very much the terrorist he desp- uh, the terrorism oh yeah Wagner is very much the uh, the oppressive terrorist he, is, he despises. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Magneto is is fighting to like, you know, monopolize the the race, and you know he's not willing to share this world because he is better than them. And he looks down, down, down on the rest of the human race, like he, yeah, like they're like they're scum, um, which. Again, it has to feel righteous to him, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not the thing that you do. So I, that's why I, I draw those comparisons because it's the same rage. It's the same proof. When you have that kind of undeniable proof of mankind's horridness, like I have friends that are legit like misanthropes. They don't they don't think humanity's worth a damn. <laughs> they don't think <laughs> humanity's worth the American flag stamp that, you know, <laughs> the check is uh, in. But they have proof. And when they have that sort of proof, it's hard to argue with people because usually what you're arguing with are the idea, are ideas or concepts. Um, And somebody who has uh, faced a great trauma doesn't want to hear about ideas and concepts. They want to hear about results. Yeah. They want to hear that things change and it's not, it's not that clean cut, but I wonder like you have character, a character like Killmonger where it's said in many different times in the story that we're going to cover that you know vengeance can't fuel everything like you can't be internally fueled by hatred and stuff like that but again you also have characters like the punisher who that's his whole bag right <laughs> like he yeah. he holds on to the fact that he was done wrong and thus by being done wrong he can now he has you know free reign to do wrong to other people there are other bad people quote unquote but you would assume that they had daughters and wives the same way that frank did the interesting thing i think with frank is i don't think frank ever thinks he's gonna win it oh it's like all a suicide mission all the time right like if i don't i I don't i don't want to say a suicide mission but i don't think frank i don't think frank castle ever believes his job will be done right right and that wraps up sort of kind of like with batman and the idea that like if people like to make batman's 
the killer of Batman's parents are nobody because the idea that he would then eventually one day find that man, kill him or arrest him. It's kind of open and shut case at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you started all this because of the death of your parents. You caught the guy who, you know, the death of your parents. But I think like things like Batman Begins show an interesting level of like somebody else getting that vengeance on Joe Chill and thus robbing him of that, yeah. of that moment. Therefore, he can forever harbor this hate <laughs> towards this event and continue like that happens and there's no problem. Um, but yeah, Killmonger seems like this thing is eat is just something eating at him. And something that I thought was interesting. And I know I remember these articles coming out is this idea that Michael B. Jordan had to seek therapy after playing him. Yes. Um, and so he was quoted on saying, I was by myself, isolating myself. I spent a lot of time alone. I figured Eric, uh, his childhood growing up was pretty lonely. He didn't have a lot of people he could talk to about this place called Wakanda that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of course, it's an extreme exaggerated version of the African uh, diaspora from the African-American perspective. So to be able to take that kind of pain and rage and all those emotions that Eric kind of represents from being black and brown here in America... That was something I didn't take lightly. Um, He goes on to say, I didn't have a process. I just did whatever I felt I needed to do or whatever I felt was right in the moment, every step of the way. But I also didn't have an escape plan either. When it was all over, I think I was just kind of still in that mind state. It caught up to me. Um, So he saw a therapist that helped him out. And he said, readjusting to people caring about me, getting that love that I shut out. I shut out love. I didn't want love. I wanted to be in this lonely place as long as I could. And while that's heartbreaking in the sense of art, um, that's all in preparation of a role. Could you imagine those that truly harbor those emotions, right? That Uh, truly do do feel like they don't get that love from society. Those that, I I mean, be black in America in 2020, right? Turn on a, a news report and feel that lack of love and what that does to people. Uh, first off, method actors are insane. Yeah, they are. Mostly, <laughs> um, what this base? Mostly Christian Bale for gaining and losing weight so often. Right, right, and and uh, a, a Jim Carrey for terrorizing his entire set. Right, right. Um, yeah. man on the moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I I can't imagine how difficult it would be to get out of that headspace, but uh, and, and especially if you like. Especially if you ended up feeling something about playing that role. Yeah, if something rang true, yeah. right? If something rang true, you start to sit there and 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 start to ask yourself. And I, I guess that's why I got that doctor's uh, POV. Because I think that happened to all of us in a way. Where we're sitting there and we're listening and we're like, okay, mustache twirling villain talk. Wait a minute. He's kind of being real. Like that moment in the museum where he's educating the person that whose you know ancestors probably stole those things from Africa. Yeah. If it feels like a, a, a fist pump moment until he murders, you know, until they murder right. a bunch of people. But in that moment, it's like, you don't even know about any of this stuff and you sh- kind of shouldn't, it's not your culture, but you took it, you took it. And now you have it here in your country. And there's, there's something there, there um, that I think a lot of people attach to, but I do think it, that it's genius that they don't let a lot of Killmonger's um, plan uh, uh, revealed up front. Like we had, we didn't see how extreme he was until the movie carries on. Because I think if people would have felt that extremeness early on, they would have jumped off the boat. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it only it's, it's so far, all right. It's all righteous anger until it's it's like, and I'm sending weapons across the planet. It's like, hey, now, right, right. <laughs> we're gonna kill. We're gonna kill the children of the colonizers. It's like, yeah, that's a bit much, there, Eric. Um, so I know that definitely, you know, uh, 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 vengeance as a motivator and uh, you know, revenge as fuel is a big theme in in at, with Killmonger in general, and in this story. But one of the other things that I uh, was feeling and tell me if you think I, I have anything here um, is that one of the other themes is this idea of choosing your own worth and your own destiny because I feel like one of the things the story we're going to cover tries to get us to realize is that after the death of his of his parents Eric was always kind of looked at by others for his intrinsic value right like what he could do for someone mm-hmm. it, it starts with that guy who steals him and gives him to claw and then it continues with claw and him being a, 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 a big killer then king what he can get out of him then the kingpin uh and then knight <laughs> you know yeah and i feel like w- one of the pillars of killmonger's character that we know him as now is that while it's not clean cut the path that he chooses is his choice is his own you know um yeah. and i think there's but a certain it's, it's dare I say, charm of- to that it's also kind of like the you know, the commercial with the parent and the kid wondering where 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 he learned how to get the learn and use these drugs, and it's just like I learned it from you, right, 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 hundred percent, right yeah, yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of looking at people for their worth in this comic, mm-hmm. um, and looking and trying to look past people and try to look, you know, through people, and and see what uh, they want. I think ultimately, Killmonger decides to not work for anybody, not work you know, in service of anybody, but work towards his own motivations and his own um, stuff there. Yeah. And also a lot of, you know, uh, how do you say, uh, clichely named um, playing cards. Yes. Yes. <laughs> cliche named. Uh, you ready to get into this uh, comic here? No problem. Let's get All it. All right. Let's get into Killmonger by any means. Drums, drums, drums. Drums, drums, drums. <laughs> so when, when most think of Killmonger, they think of his infiltration into Wakanda, his challenge for the throne, and his epic battle with uh, King T'Challa atop the Warrior Falls. Um, not much is known about the man originally named Indigdaka before those moments, but our story starts off years before even then. Uh, it begins with the character of Eric talking to his guidance counselor at MIT, who's upset that he hasn't taken any of the job offers that were lined up. Um, Eric explains that he knew from childhood that his mind was a value, and as a fresh graduate, he's choosing to go his own way. Mimicking the way Claw looked upon an orphan Killmonger and seeing his value, Eric gives his guidance counselor that look, and the two sleep together. (laughs) (laughs) Eric does his best to leave without a word, but calls her a colonizer for good measure. How'd you feel about that that opener there? (laughs) I I was amused. I was like, there's no purpose for this other than... <laughs> to make Killmonger look just kind of cool, but yeah, and that's one of the things I guess we didn't talk about with him in the film is that he is unapologetically cool, yeah. <laughs> right? Like he uses slang, he his uh, you know the um, his swagger, the incredible fashion sense when he's in that museum. I'm like, he looks like a <laughs> he looks like I don't know, it's like somebody would have been on Instagram, even like if Instagram you, even if you didn't know that his like um his whole like outfit. Or like yeah, his whole main outfit is based on the nerdiest thing possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But, you know, uh, talking about that, you know, his armor being based off Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z, that uh, that's another gentleman, right, who had his people taken from him <laughs> and is now uh, has a mission uh, to make sure that everyone knows that his race is the master one. <laughs> so, right. Gets a little, yeah, it does get a little wonky with some of these characters here. So much um, so that he will not refer to his contemporary by his Earth name. <laughs> exactly. That's a slave name. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think we were just meant to see how 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 Eric is able. We, we the MIT up front is you know shows his intellect. Um, I mm-hmm. think the conversation shows his ability to manipulate things in his favor, and obviously he does have this magnetic personality where he's able to do this. He's known this this uh, counselor for four years. Yes, and is able to bet her seemingly at will. <laughs> Can um, we also briefly just because I can't help but hear it whenever it, uh, this comes up? Can we also briefly acknowledge how fantastic that score is. Oh yes, it's absolutely bananas. I listened to the whole Black Panther score while taking notes and reading this story, mm-hmm. which I think helped it tremendously. Um, and I remember remarking uh, at it at the time when watching the film that like how genius it was that majority of the themes in black panther as you know as it should be are uh, you know african instruments african vocals you know african rhythms but then when killmonger shows up it's that mixed with trap it, trap drums yeah i was gonna say like if it gets, it gets real hood real fast yeah. yeah but the basis of it is still the african um yeah, African sound. So it's very much like African Americans have this base in them, and then the it's rest a sense of, the of like where he around. came from, but who he who he grew up as. Yeah, hundred percent. It, it, I, I love it so much. And then the 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 violins, uh, especially like in the um, ancestral plane motif, are also in his theme. And I think it what it invokes in me is this like level of Greek tragedy. Like, mm. It feels like an opera <laughs> whenever they're like in the astral plane and they're playing like the ancestral music of Wakanda. Yeah. And you have that violin motif that, that comes around often. It feels like this grand tragedy. Like these are these tragic figures, T'Challa having to f- pay for the sins of his father, uh, Killmonger never having the father around and having to live up to, uh, you know, a standard that he doesn't even understand at many points. Yeah. Um, and it, I think Killmonger is, a, you know, for all intents and purposes, meant to be a tragic character. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I I kind of wanted to like just sit back and listen to all the uh like all the kings discuss their like triumphs and failures. And what. Yeah, yeah. It it it. There's a level of of um, lineage. There's a level of um, lore there, mm-hmm. and the idea. And this is very very contemporary the idea that killmonger has no access to any of that yes right you know uh speaks to african-americans living in america through no fault of his own 100 percent. literally the 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 race lottery man Mm -hmm. it's bullshit (laughs) um we are then shown flashbacks of eric's first kill a man named uh a traitor to Wakanda and the man who suggested Claw adopt him after killing his parents. Eric takes up residence in Harlem with a shrine of one of his targets, Ulysses, Ulysses Claw. And that night he attempts to kill Claw, but his attempt uh, ends up being botched by a woman named Knight who pistol whips Eric, knocking him out. First of all, when they say Knight, I was like, I only know one Knight who's a cop and who's black. I, I said <laughs> or, that too. 
And I was like, is this the new Misty Knight with ombre hair? And so I was yeah. like, what's going on here? And, then, and my brain immediately went to that woman's voice from, <laughs> All right, right. from Netflix. Cage? Yeah. Yeah, Luke Cage. Yeah. So I, I was there like, wait, is that, what, you know, because it was also like a page turn. Like you see her and it's like night. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I'm pretty sure this? that was on purpose. Right, right. Uh, but even though she knocked him out, when he comes to, he's tied to a chair and introduced to a trio of operatives who call themselves King, Knight, and Rook, respectively. Mm-hmm. He's taken to their boss, the monstrous Wilson Fisk, aka Kingpin, who has his operative, uh, who had his operatives capture Eric to see if he would be of any use. Again, the motif of like, what can I get out of him? I don't even really like him. I want to kill him. But what can I get out of him? This is some. This is something people have felt about Eric almost his whole life. Like mm-hmm. you've got to get tired of people just looking at you for what they can get out of you. Um, but uh, and that's a whole. Not even to know another tangent, but that's a whole thing too. Like this idea that minorities have to be of some sort of value to the rest of society mm-hmm. to be given the baseline levels of civility. Is bullshit, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> but yeah, just wanted to get that out there. Um, Eric disrespects Fisk, who orders the trio to kill him for his dispersions. Instead of doing this, King drives under a bridge and lets Eric go, advising that whatever grudge he's holding to get over it. Eric returns home, where he's accosted by a gunman, who he murders swiftly. And I just put swiftly, but he takes a piece of glass... <laughs> from the window and stabs him in the neck mm. and he's like hanging out of the, like that whole just blood and bullets everywhere he's a, he's a madman um when he turns around king is standing there and confesses that he never let eric go he just let eric lead him back here turns out this was a tryout of sorts and with claw now scared the only way eric can get close to claw is by joining king and working for fisk uh when eric threatens king with a gun He's surprised to see King use telepathy to remove it from his hands. I was surprised as well. I'm like, I don't, who the hell is this man? <laughs> who is he supposed to be? Am I supposed to know who this is? Uh, but mutants are just abound. King uses his mind to throw Eric out of a window where he is approached by Knight who helps him up. Later in Long Island, the trio who work for Fisk debate whether Eric will be a good fit while Eric stands on the beach praying to his father. Mm-hmm. Instead of hearing his father, uh, Mother Bast, the panther god of Wakanda, arrives and warns Eric to put down his war and return home. But he answers back quietly that he doesn't have a home. Knight comes walking up and Eric formally introduces himself as Eric Killmonger. He stares at her while she tells him about their next big score. And when she asks why he's staring, he says he'll tell her when he knows her better. <laughs> uh, smooth. Yes. Smooth. Um, later, later, the four-person hit squad discuss how they're going to take out their four high-value targets for Fisk, and Eric suggests killing them simultaneously. The plan is risky, and in doing so, Eric has to use Rook, who has a healing factor as a human shield, but they, <clears throat> primarily Eric, manages to massacre the whole group. Did you see that Eric had a insignia of a chess piece on? I saw something that like seemed like it, but I wasn't. So I thought that this was poetic, and I don't know if he was aware, but his chess piece, you know, in keeping with the rest of this, you know, knight, rook, whatever, is a pawn. Ah, oh, okay. I didn't notice that. That's <laughs> so great. I'm looking at that, and I'm going, 
Damn, Eric. <laughs> Maybe they told you it was like a promotion, promotional kind of thing. Like you had to raise, rise up the ranks. But bro, you are literally a pawn. <laughs> so this is a bit out of control. Um, where, what? How do you feel about Eric's um, pretty much nonchalant nature of killing? I know we get that flashback where Claw's like, "It's just killing. You don't have to make it complicated." Yeah, I think at this point it's it, it's. Um... It's just kind of a thing that happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's been fully normalized for him. There's no empathy. There's Well, no. I won't say there's no empathy. There's very little empathy. Yeah. Um, yeah. As, as the, there, there's a moment that comes up in there for him where he kind of hesitates. Oh, I'm also... I'm also... When this whole thing is happening with Knight, I'm also furiously Googling to see if this woman is supposed to be the same woman from the movie. I considered it for a moment. <laughs> I truly did, I and like, I was just like, "Let me, let me just, let me just ride this out and see what happens." No, I legit was like, "Wait a minute!" But that woman has a different name, so I was like, "Oh, wait, is this like the thing going to be the thing that ends up?" But no. Um, and I, <laughs> I guess we should say that right here. Um, this this story uh, is supposed to connect what we know about the movie uh, to what um, the actual comic book origin. Of Killmonger is there's a big gap in comics from where Killmonger's family is killed to where Killmonger comes back for the throne, and right. they are trying to fill that gap with this pathos that they got from the film. Um, but ultimately, when this story ends, you get led to the very first appearance of Killmonger, where he challenges T'Challa on top Warrior Falls. All that <laughs> to say that after the mission, uh, King advises Eric to find something other than revenge to live for, while the others await Fisk and his next target. Surprisingly, the next target is Bullseye, who is a known associate of Kingpin, and King believes it all to be a setup. They argue over what to do when Bullseye throws an explosive bola. <laughs> he throws a damn bola. This thing ramps around Rook's neck and just blows his head off. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. This is mad. There's been a lot of heads blowing off in the last couple of weeks. Yes, so I, I'm just like, I'm like, what is going on? Um, and then uh, Bullseye appears uh, wielding a knife saying he hears they want to take his job. And he is not happy about that. Um, our next issue opens with Bullseye and Eric going at it on a rooftop parking lot. Killmonger definitely has the rage, but Bullseye outclasses him when it comes to skill and precision. Um, in an attempt to save his life, King and Knight tell Eric to jump off the building, and when they all do, King uses his telekinesis to slow their fall. Kingpin calls Bullseye and tells him that King and his men got uh, got the point, and their contracts are effectively canceled. King indeed got the point and declares New York as unsafe for them and uh, leaves Knight with Eric. Mm-hmm. Knight says that she can get them new passports in just a few hours, and until then, they can hang out at a safe house. And they do hang out at that safe house uh, where they have sex. Um, I initially in my notes put they made love, but I don't think that that's correct. So I changed that to (laughs) the the two have sex, but the act is more primal than romantic. Yeah. Do you agree? Uh, I think she agrees. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, She's like, it's just too, right? She's like something like it's just two animals. uh, Trying to come down from their adrenaline. 100%, yeah. Because they even show a part where after Killmonger kills everybody, he can't seem to steady his hand. 
Yeah. Like even though he seems on the surface to not care about any of this stuff, there's there is a residual um a residual feeling he gets from all this. Uh yeah, they do it. Afterwards, Ed, uh, Eric describes Wakanda tonight and asks her to join him there. But she says, yeah, hey, uh, in a bit, I have to go pick up the passports first, and then she'll be back. While she's gone, S.H.I.E.L.D. operatives burst in, guns drawn, and it is revealed that Knight, whose real name is Patricia Jackson, sold Eric out to S.H.I.E.L.D. and Black Widow in exchange for a new life. Were you surprised to see Natasha? I was. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, I, uh, I, I definitely, uh, I have it on like my guided view on my tablet. Yes. Yeah. So when it swoops back over, I was just like, oh. Right, right. We have completely left the thralls of the movie. It, this also reminds me of of Civil War, in a sense, or even um, Pleasant Hill, where S.H.I.E.L.D. is not the good guys, at least in the narrative of the protagonist of this story. Right. And in, in that uh, lens, I do feel like Black Widow is a bit ruthless in her questioning, in her demeanor towards Night, but you kind of don't get nowhere with honey with criminals. Right. So like, <laughs> this is the other side of that. Like, if you don't think that shield is doing dirty things or, you know, making deals with criminals to uh, fulfill their needs, then you're wrong as well. It's like I mean, everyone's doing it at the end of the day. Natasha is a spy. Yeah. And the spy yeah. business is not a business of, you know, of holding the rules. And that's basically the pep talk she gives Knight, right? Like, I've done all this, so it's not that hard. <laughs> you can turn all your friends and family in uh, if you want this new life, if you really want it, you know? Um, and that's another, you know, to call back to the wor- the intrinsic worth thing. They very much treat her that way. Uh, Natasha and S.H.I.E.L.D. treat Knight only for what she's willing to give and can give S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, which is something that Eric predicts and tries to warn Knight of, but you know, neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, but, but Natasha lets her know that if she wishes to start over, she needs to turn King into Shield. When Patricia mentions Eric, Widow tells her to get him on her side and prove that she can be an asset to Shield. While in Shield custody and being held in a storage container, Eric prays to Bast for help and strength. But the Panther God tells him to let go of his rage, return to Wakanda, and make himself known to its king, T'Challa. Eric refuses, saying T'Challa doesn't deserve the throne, and that Wakanda turned a blind eye when it came to the horrible treatment Africans-slash-African-Americans have faced for decades everywhere else. He denounces... He denounces T'Challa. He denounces Bass, saying if he commits to peace, the peace that Bass talks of, he will never have justice. How do you feel about that statement in the lens of um, social equality, civil rights now? This idea that if we choose to be in peace <laughs> with, uh, you know, the offending race, quote unquote, that we lose um, the ability to gain justice. And is justice found... At the other end of a revenge quest. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think I, I don't remember who says it, but it's a pretty like uh, overly quoted, you know, line of a of a thing where it's just like, yeah, you know, if you if you seek regret, if you seek vengeance, you're prepared to dig two graves. Yeah. Um, yeah. I 
I don't think there's any justice in that. I think there's a there's maybe a personal like there's a personal vengeance which is often disguised as justice. Right. Because justice is a much more is a much better motivator. Right. You know, vengeance feels selfish. Justice feels right. Right. And these are these uh, overly in my opinion while the actions that Killmonger wants to do are um, on surface look like it could be for the betterment. I I can't help but think he's only thinking about himself. I can't help but think he's only thinking about the steps that he needs to take for him to feel whole, for him to feel 100%. If he chooses after that to help other people, then sure. But I need to get mine. Because it's it's, it's not vengeance for African-Americans. It's vengeance for him. Right. Right. I think it's just when when rattling off reasons to be mad, that's one that you could definitely put on the list. Well, but I don't know if that was one that was on his list initially. What what do you think about him turning away from the the Panther God? Uh I thought that was interesting because I guess I guess part of me kept reading it as like, is this really happening? Right. And there's what they show a part in the in the last issue where he's talking to these gods and there's nobody, there's no, there's nothing there. There's no one around, (laughs) you know? Um, At one point he thinks that he's going crazy, but I I think that he's seeing what he's supposed to be seeing, Hmm. you know? Um, And he talks later on about how he used to dream of Bast and call out to Bast and want that acceptance and feel like he belongs. And that is his Panther God, et cetera. But that she would always look at him in anger and turn away. Um, and I think that's that this may him turning her away may be symbolic of choosing to play like refusing to choose to play nice anymore. Sure. I you know? see see that 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 idea that he had like a dream of Bast and Bast was uh you know rejecting of him makes yeah. me think that it's all his imagery anyway. No, you're right, because and the bass that we know is saying that he will be welcome. Come back to Wakanda. Right. Put down your weapons. Put down your war. Put down your rage. Right. There is room for you here. You can come back home. It and it uses the word home. Um. But he, and th- this has you know been said a bunch of different times. Without that vendetta, without that anger, what does he have? Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of groups like that. Without holding on to that residual anger, you have to admit that you can move past it, and that's something that a lot of people are not willing to do. Right, uh, it, and it's that's a that's a flaw in a lot of guys. Uh, there's, uh, you know, what is Frank Castle without his war? Um, in the in the boys in the comic book, it is what is Billy Butcher? Who is Billy Butcher without his war? You know? Yeah. Yeah, they play it up in season two as well, you know, because they, they kind of change something from the comics that kind of takes that all out of his hands. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah. oh, wait, now what? <laughs> it's all cool in the midst of war, in 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 the tunnel vision, right? Yeah. In when you only see red, you know, all bets are off, but eventually you have to come down from that. And what does the rest of your world look like? What does the rest of your life look like? The rest of your legacy look like if you're only somebody who acted in rage and anger and stuff um interesting stuff uh, he, <laughs> so when he when he wakes up he's in bed 
and Knight is in the room with him. She confesses to be working with Shield and tells him he needs to. Br- they need to bring King in. Eric suggests that they warn King instead and try to escape together. When Knight says they will be hunted down, he paints a picture for her where they run away and find refuge in Wakanda and sit on the throne together as king and queen. Is that lofty? Was that was that a bit too much of a a daydream there? Uh, that's, that's just reaching a bit high. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Eric's loyalty to King in this moment? It's interesting um, because essentially he like, you could argue that King treats him the same way, but I think King is the first person that shows a level of warmth to him. Yeah. Kind of warns him against the life. Yeah. You know, um, at various points, tries his hardest to be like, uh, you don't, bro, you don't got to do this anymore. You I think, totally don't got to do this anymore. I think King is the first person that comes to, comes to Eric with an end game. Yeah. He's like, there is there there isn't I fight I fight these fights and I keep looking for the next one. It's like no, eventually I go off to my little shack. Yeah, I spend time and, with my and, wife and I chop wood and I, I <laughs> people leave me that alone. And also this idea, right, where um, like to Eric because he hasn't been back there. Wakanda is like a magical place where everything would be forgiven and all, right? Like, yeah, he's telling this to her, to this person, but um, in the same way that Michael B. Jordan so right, rightfully put, like he mentions that um, Killmonger must have felt so lonely and have nobody to talk to about Wakanda and stuff, and we kind of see it here. No one believes it. No one, no one thinks it's a, it's a real place. And even though he's trying to paint a picture for her, like this is a place they can go, she's already working behind his back, without any kind of uh, faith that this is a possibility. Yeah. And I thought that was that was a bit telling there. So, the faithful day comes. Uh, so Eric and Patty track King down in Bulgaria, where he's hiding with his wife. Uh. I was like, okay, Bulgaria. But um, <laughs> uh, Eric hopes to warn him and give him a head start before S.H.I.E.L.D. can nab him, um, which I think is that's pretty smart. And um, afterwards, he and Patricia would just go to Wakanda. Uh, Patricia seems hesitant, but she agrees to the plan. King meets them outside and invites them in. But after they start talking business and King's wife seems a bit bothered, the men move the convo outside, leaving the women inside. It's there that King explains that S.H.I.E.L.D. won't keep a guy like him around after they've gotten what they needed. Uh, He thanks Eric uh, for the warning and says it's best if they go their separate ways. While in the house, Knight activates her watch, alerting S.H.I.E.L.D. to their location. And when, um, uh, when the men start walking back to the cabin, Knight has King's wife at gunpoint. She declares that she will not uh, run to some imaginary island for safety and that she needs a new life. Suddenly, armed men arrive and try to shoot at King, who tells Eric to make sure that his wife is okay. While King kills one of the men, Eric realizes that King's wife has been killed in the ensuing gun battle. Distracted, uh, King too is lit up in a hail of bullets and falls to the ground. Angered by the betrayal, Eric picks up an axe and massacres the remaining men. 
covered in blood, he turns his gaze to Knight, who uses her super strength to disarm and incapacitate him. But she leaves him alive, advising him to remember that his queen had mercy, or she would make sure S.H.I.E.L.D. kills him. It's a bit, it's a bit of cold-blooded smack to talk at the end, at the end of all this, right? I fear you may have overplayed your hand, dear. When she did all that, I was like, oh, this is like, you are making an enemy <laughs> right now. And I don't think you realize. Really overplayed your hand there. <laughs> I really don't think you realize what you've done in this, in this moment, woman. But, um. Oh, wait. Hmm. Yeah, that, that was a, that was an interesting, uh, uh, moment. Where I was just like, and, and maybe I'm looking at it through the, the lens of, of him being the title character and knowing all about him, but like, where did you think that was going to go? For real, for real. Like, come on. How did you think that ended? Did you think he was just going to stop? Yeah. And he said, like, she says, like, that's what she basically says. Like, don't come after me or, and I'll tell King, I'll tell them that you're dead and it is what it is. Uh, this man wants to take down a literal kingdom. And never gave a damn. Like, never... Like, he don't give a damn. Uh, he's been saying... like, And you've seen him murder people. You've seen... You literally just saw him murder a bunch of people with an axe. Yeah. Like, what the hell's going on here? So... Yeah, she's not She's not going with him. Uh, boom. Eric crawls to a mortally wounded king. King gives Eric a key to his cellar, asking him to get revenge for the both of them. Suddenly, a goddess appears covered in flames and jaguar spots. He confuses her for Bast, but she corrects him, saying that Wakanda has forsaken both of them and that his path of anger opened the door to release her. She says she has to show she has so much to show him and that vengeance is a debt left behind uh, left upon you by your enemies and that it's his destiny to take his vengeance out on the world and repay that debt. Um. There's something incredibly, and I've used this word in comics before, and I'm always, uh, always feel weird using it. There's something very seductive about this goddess. Mm-hmm. She's seemingly telling Eric everything he wants to hear. Yes. Um, which is creepy. <laughs> and, and, um, yeah. Uh, I think one of the things that we're meant to understand is that this is some kind of malevolent like my malicious force some kind of malicious god i just wasn't sure about who it was exactly or whether or not they were even going to tell us about it i I, the moment it came up it was very odd for me because i was just like wait we're, we're putting another like uh how do you say uh a spiritual being on the playing field what right what's going yeah, on they come like they come pretty quick uh, and the thing is, yeah, I only ever knew Bass. So when this happens here, I'm I'm trying to figure out who this person is. But I'm like, hopefully, in the fullness of time, I, I I'll know. Um. So he, she tells him that it's his destiny to do this and to repay that debt left upon him by his enemies. And Eric finds himself inside the locked cellar, surround surrounded by armor and weapons, ready to do just that. And one of those things that is there is that Vegeta. Uh, say in armor, if yeah. you will. The, the, I guess iconic, you'd say, say in armor. Right. And uh, were you surprised that the next issue skips forward a year? Uh, not completely. 
I feel like yeah. time jumps is almost in a part of the game at this point. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the final issue for skips forward a year uh, as Patricia Jackson walks into her new London apartment and sees a much more muscular and dreaded Killmonger sitting down with a shotgun. He demands she find info on Wakanda and T'Challa or else he will kill her sister. Uh, he leaves by saying he offered her a kingdom and she wanted to be a slave and slaves do what they are told. He retreats to an abandoned warehouse and prays to the same fiery spirit from the last issue. He has doubts and thinks he's going crazy, but the spirit comforts him and says Bast will watch over watch her sons tremble. But you speak of the devil or speak of Bast, suddenly Bast is there. Like who's talking about this crap? Uh, demanding again that and Jadaka, and she keeps calling him by his given name. Yeah. Um, end his one man war, but he tells the god, "You wish to protect your son T'Challa from me." But I am your son. Why didn't you protect me? How do you feel about that bit of a... That was a bit of a tender moment, right? That was a bit of a, a vulnerability, I guess. Um, it, the man who seemingly never needs to be saved just asks why he was never saved. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 was, it was really interesting. And I guess, again, this is one of those moments now where I'm like, I'm really fighting with myself or struggling to figure out like what of like how much of this is digestive and how much of it is in his own head. Right. But this is like the book at least does something to say that there's a, there's a consistency to boss constantly trying to call uh, Eric home compared yeah. to the, the the one that he saw. Right. That was judgmental. The one that, that, and rejected. Reject, that rejected him. Yeah. 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 So it, it's it's interesting, but I I don't I don't know what you ask a god to do about the struggles of of black people in America. Yeah, and you know this is this this is something that uh, people do in the medium all the time. You've seen it with um, Lex Luthor in Batman vs Superman, where he yeah. doesn't really believe in God because God didn't save him when his father beat on him yes you know and and it's it is that lack of faith when that when the faith itself doesn't seem to present itself um and he is willing to go all in on this other goddess uh who is telling him everything he needs to tell him and the one thing she is telling him is that his vengeance is righteous which is something that bast has from the beginning said is not only is not righteous but it's unnecessary Mm -hmm. put down your weapons put down your war um but in that moment, I thought it was incredibly touching that he called out and basically stated his like stated what his whole issue is. If I'm your son, if you protect your sons of Wakanda, why didn't you protect me? Yes. Um, over dinner, Black Widow effectively tells Patricia she's let go by S.H.I.E.L.D. and is out of value. Feeling no allegiance to S.H.I.E.L.D. now, Patricia retrieves the information of off the S.H.I.E.L.D. De- databases for Killmonger, who decides to meet her at a church for their trade-off. As he stands there, donning new armor and a fierce mask, Patricia confesses that he was right. S.H.I.E.L.D. did kick her to the curb, and there's nowhere for her to go. And he simply says, that's what they do. I was like, <laughs> what did you think? Like, the way, she, the way she said it to him was almost like a, like, 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 almost like she was trying to mend things. Yeah. But he's way past that, girly. He's, 
it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a whole year. He's since you tried to kill him, uh, or at least since you left him lying, he's been doing some working. Uh, when she hands over the drive she was given, he destroys it, saying he never wanted information from Shield, and instead the drive uploaded all of Patricia's crimes to the dead database, meaning Shield would be coming for her soon. Suddenly, Shield agents burst in with tear gas and try to apprehend both of them, but Killmonger uses the smoke to take them all down. When Patricia goes to strike at Eric, he weaves and stabs her in the gut mm. while also telling her he has already killed her sister. <laughs> mm. uh, I, I thought she had some cold-blooded smack, but he, yeah, he he uh, he topped it off there. Were you surprised that uh, Knight is dead or that he killed her? I'm not. Um, no. I think I... I once um once everything that happened at the uh at the cabin I pretty much signed her death warrant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also like taking the backstory that we know from here, it's pretty easy to see why Killmonger killed Claw and Black Panther. Where I, I wasn't too sure why that happened initially. Hmm. I was like, Oh, is he just evil? Like he just doesn't want to work with anyone? Yeah. Uh but yeah, Claw's a manipulator as well, so it all fits. Uh, even though there are S.H.I.E.L.D. agents outside the church, Killmonger manages to escape and ends up in Wakanda, where it's King T'Challa, where it's King T'Challa takes him on tour. <laughs> when Killmonger sees the god he's been envisioning on a on a, a tapestry, King T'Challa explains that she is Kililuna, the betrayer, <laughs> sister of Mother Bast, who tried to destroy Bast and was cast into oblivion. Eric confesses that in his dreams, Bass always hated him, but he still always called out for her approval, even though she never gave it. T'Challa reassures him by saying Wakanda is his home now and will never uh, fail him, to which Killmonger says it will be an honor to serve you, my king, before you see his eyes glow yellow in a mix of hatred, rage, and vengeance. Bum, bum, bum. It kind of made me think of the thriller video, but besides that... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> besides I, that, what do you think of this tale? I thought it was, and, and, you know what? Let's pick it up there. But it was interesting to me that, like, in those final panels, the only image they have of this uh, of this sister is the is like is almost the exact image he's seen. Yeah, yeah, and. I don't know. You think he may have seen it when he was smaller? Because he was born on, on Wakanda. He may this have. Might be yeah, like a residual, you know, a residual memory that gets kicked loose because, once all this stuff starts happening. Because happen. T'Challa mentions that, like, she is almost like she's almost Voldemort. We don't speak its name. Yes, you know, right. it's it's rarely talked of. This is the only image of her that exists, and and it only exists as a cautionary tale. Yeah. Yeah. So like like she's almost a forgotten god if anything and that's what kind of draws them to each other. This idea that Wakanda could forget people. Yeah. And things and stuff. But um, I, I I find it interesting that her visage is exact is almost exact to the image of her in that palace in the sense of uh like who has seen this woman before? Right. 
who right? drew, who painted that? Who know, who knows of the story? Who yeah. knows of the story of the beginning of Wakanda and Bass? It, it'd be very interesting. Um, in Rise of Black Panther, which was uh, written by Tanahisi Coates, um, they it's another mini mini series dealing with uh, T'Challa's father, T'Chaka, and then T'Challa. Um, and what you end up finding out is the Black Panther ends up uh, it ends up being revealed to him that there are members of Wakanda scattered across, you know, uh, the world, misplaced even. And he goes to great lengths to find them. At one point, it's a whole thing with Namor, and it's whatever. But because it's always a whole on, thing with Namor and yeah, yeah. But on his way back to Wakanda, um, somebody knocks on the back of his door and says, um, I, "Hey, listen, uh, you may not know me, but my name is uh, Ninja Daka. I am one of the missing people of Wakanda." please take me back. And they recognize his name as being one of the people on the list. And they bring him back to Wakanda while he's dealing, while T'Challa is dealing with a bunch of other stuff. He kills a bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, and, and then he comes back and they, they deal with it as it is. But, you know, he, he was completely ready, willing and able to subverse anybody in Wakanda with smiles and false memories and all that stuff, just so he can get to the heart and get to the king and seemingly try to kill him. He threw him off a cliff. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> try to kill him. Um, which I like bananas, banana stuff. Um, but it, we, it's a, it's important to talk about if, if people want to go to great lengths to talk about the merits of Killmonger's mind state. I think it's important to talk about the inherent flaws in it, which I think we discussed here, <laughs> which is this idea that yeah. you can't, you can't scorch earth. You can't, uh, you know, murder, you know, indiscriminately because you feel like you were wronged. Um, which brings me to my next thing, which is this idea that Killmonger would return or uh, come back in Black Panther 2. I saw, so as I'm doing this research for this, right, I'm doing, I'm checking out comic origins. I read his comic origin. Um, I'm checking out this story here. I go read Rise of Black Panther. So I'm, I'm stretching myself out to see how much I can find out about this character. Certainly. And I see a CBR article, or sorry, a CBR video on YouTube that says, Killmonger to return in Black Panther 2. And I'm like, it, it, it was literally maybe a week ago. And I'm like, what are the odds that I'm, I'm, I'm covering this now? And that news just came out. It would be something pretty cool to announce on the cast if it's true. But let me see this. And I, I play the video and almost instantly they're like, we saw Killmonger die in Black Panther. Uh, here are some ways he could come back if if they chose to bring him back. I'm like, those are two completely different things <laughs> to say that he will be back and to say, well, if, you know, push came to shove and they needed him back, they could do these things. So I don't think he is in Black Panther too. But what do you think about the, this urge to have him return in any way and the slightly fringe idea that he should return and be the next Black Panther. Um, I think that a lot of that's just a cult of personality. Yeah. I think people want, like, I think people just enjoyed the, uh, the expression and the uh, performance of Michael P. Jordan as his character so much. And related to him that like they they just they just want that character to come back. If you look in the if you look into the the things you see in like pop culture today, um, as is no no secret to anyone who listens to us, we're both big wrestling fans. 
Yeah. Um, we see the two expressions on television for a while there, which is both Mia Yim and MVP pro wrestling personalities wear Killmonger attire. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is constantly mistaken as which constantly referred to as Black Panther on social media and they are quick to correct them. Right. Yeah, it has the gold, it has the spikes. Um and they, like I said, he be, he became a bit of a cult leader. And I guess people th- thought or think that um people thought or think that if he can mend his ways, like see the error in his ways and all that stuff. But again, he was given that opportunity by Black Panther. He goes, We can yes. heal you. We got you, we can heal you, get you right. He had no qualms about you know redeeming himself or doing any rehabilitation on his on his mindset or stuff like that uh, if it wasn't going to be what he set out set out for it to be then it wasn't going to be at all and also and, like if he like, if he were to become the black panther then really he ceases to be the character you loved yeah <laughs> yeah you know um and i think that characters like him are important but you can be both important and also have one appearance yes you know, um, that that I always hate, like when they try to go back and lengthen out. Uh, I mean, that's exactly what this this run was. <laughs> but like when people were like, oh, let's go. Let's go to what, what happened the day after with Joe Chill. You right. know, it's like, I don't care. I don't care about any of this stuff. Joe Chill served uh, his purpose. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, and and I I hope in many ways that Killmonger becomes the. Kaleluna of uh, Black Panther in the sense that he becomes just a cautionary tale about what you know where this rage can take you this this um, this justifiable anger that one could say uh, exists among the African American community, but also a cautionary tale about how fruitless um, the the journey towards that vengeance actually is. Yes. Um... I think, you know, I think the idea is that you had to take from it that what Indijaka had to say was right and it was coming from a negative energy. Yeah. So in the end, like, um, T'Challa takes what was said to him seriously and makes moves on those ideas just not the moves of you know let's arm every black person across the world yeah <laughs> with yeah uh you know technologically superior weaponry yeah that's his that's his appeal in many ways yeah. um Killmonger is that there is some things there's there is some nuggets of truth there it's 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 his his militant nature, I guess, it's his it's his uh, ability yeah. to kill indiscriminately that that draws a line there. Because fair- T'Challa, go ahead, brother. But but in fairness, like I guess I I guess you could argue in its own way that that those are the two natures um coming to their uh to their natural conclusion in which the the militant in in the Jaka says to arm them arm with arm them with weapons kill their oppressors and their children and yeah. you know and take the world by force where mm-hmm. T'Challa 
arms them with resources. Much more diplomatic. Yeah. You know, and much more of a, of a leader, obviously in a different sense, because you could have military leaders, but there's, Certainly. there's a sense of compassion you're supposed to have for the people that I think is, is sometimes missing. I was in the military. It's very much pragmatic. It's, it's very emotionless yeah. besides patriotism. <laughs> uh, right. And, and I think, yeah, meeting in the middle, you can't, you can't just be so noble that you can't touch the, the, you know, you can't um, meddle in the dirt and figure out what's really happening to the rest of the world. But you also can't be in the dirt just alongside your oppressors doing the same things because two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think there's something to that. Even if it, even if, even if for a lot of people, it isn't violent enough and it doesn't feel like that vengeful justice they're seeking for, there is something in saying that, I took my I took my my power and my influence and I weaponized them with resources by like I went over there and I bought up this whole plot of land and I gave them things to use. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I probably and it made cr- it affordable because we know how that is. <laughs> and that create that creates like a generational freedom. Yes. As opposed to just like freedom in the act now. Because the I the idea that no one would then try to oppose King Kelmonger, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. The idea that that wouldn't lead to a bunch of bloodshed, a bunch of wars, a bunch of just dead people for crazy ideas. Um, that, that's something that he doesn't think about. And that's something that the movie doesn't even present because we don't get to that end. But that's what the, that end is. Yeah. You know? It's not like Russia's not going to be like, uh, you know, we're probably next, eh? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> ah, madness. Because that's I'm, I I imagine that is the end goal for him. It it just becomes the the global state of Wakanda. Right. Right. And then then what? And then the idea that I don't know, in 50 years the the remaining scattered um sons of colonizers wouldn't arm themselves and come right right and come to attack their oppressors and overthrow the government and start this all over again like that's also there too so gotta watch yourself can't move you can't move in hate you gotta move in love you gotta move in purpose uh some people are missing that purpose and they choose to to move in hate but i'm telling you you put love in every single thing you do and uh, you'll be better off for it. And I only know that because I've put love into now 149 episodes of the Major Issues podcast, which is available at comicbookclick.com. We're on the road to 150 episode. The next episode will be episode 150, where for the Halloween spirit, we'll be tackling Constantine. Uh, but to listen to this episode and all the other episodes, the one stop is comicbookclick.com. It's where you find our merchandise, our articles, and every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast. You can even go back and check our raw reactions to Black Panther when that film came out in 2018. But go back to the back You catalog. had me worried a bit. I yeah. was like, raw reactions? I'm not watching that show. What are you going on? <laughs> no, none of that. None of that. That's way too long. We don't but, do that um, here. <laughs> but we have a, a litany of episodes covering all kinds of topics dealing with comic books and comic book media. So go to comicbookclick.com for that. But if you already have a podcast app and you want to just plug us in, 
We're available wherever podcasts are found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, the Google Podcast app, Spotify, YouTube, TuneFind, iHeart, everywhere. The easiest way to find us, go to Google, type in Major Issues Podcast, and we'll be the first ones to pop right up because we're always talking about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. So that's us talking. But the real truth of the matter is we want to talk to you. So the quickest way to get a back and forth to talk about this topic of Killmonger, next week's topic of Constantine, or literally anything going on in the comic book spectrum, you can reach us at facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also at Major Issues CBC on our Twitter machine, and I believe you have a Twitter as well, sir. I do. It is at Rebirth GT with a, fo- with a whopping 66 followers. 33 Woo! of which I am certain are just people trying to sell me their OnlyFans, but that's okay. <laughs> we're on the road to 100. All right. We're moving, <laughs> we're get, let's get GT to 100. Let's be, it's be the only thing right in this world. Uh, Instagram has been blowing up. Uh, we, we are getting more and more listens. The audience is growing. I've been to the future where I see how it happens, but I can't tell you guys about it. It'll mess up the timeline. So make sure that you're on the bandwagon before the bandwagon uh, gets full. And it's the Flash will judge you. Yes, yes, it will. Yes, he will. He already took some of our episodes to the Speed Force. Uh, so it, it's oh, a real God. thing, people. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a real thing, people. But uh, but we're we don't care. We're still gonna march on, and we're gonna march towards our 150th episode as we continue our road to episode 150. But my name is George Serrano, aka the Don. I am Gregory Thomas, aka GT Rebirth. And this has been our Killmonger by any means comic review. And I guess just general Killmonger conversation. And remember, whether you feel like you don't belong or are next in line for the throne, whether you think Killmonger was right or that the rest of the world is wrong, remember Wakanda forever. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Remember, we are the clique. And always remember, you, yes, you are worthy.